Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, and as always, I'm joined by Frank Madden. And when we left you on Friday, I said something to the effect of, you know what? They got two games in South Florida. They'll have Orlando. They'll have Miami. And you know what? That that should be exactly what the Bucks need to get out of this little funk. And they can get two wins and try to get back on the right track. And they did the opposite. Um, they they lose one hundred nine ninety seven to the Heat. Then the or and they lost on Friday night one twelve to ninety six to the Magic. Just a whole lot of awfulness, Frank. I'm 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 just gonna apologize for my mood as is right now because, God, it's bad. Last week we had the Packers to pick us up. This week we have no such positivity to, no, to, no. to distract ourselves with. Um, yeah, you know it's it's one of those things. Like you, you know, every East game, um, every team against another East team is important. Um, either it's against a team that you're competing with, um, either it's a measuring stick game against one of the top teams, um, or maybe you're not expecting to win. But you know, again, if you can steal those games, they're extra valuable. Or, as we've been seeing lately, it's a game against a team that isn't particularly good, like an Orlando or a Miami or um, a Philly, which, you know, has been playing much better of late. But obviously, they're not um, they're not in the East playoff hunt right now. And when you when you lose those games, you know, those are probably the most painful because, you know, and obviously as fans, they're the worst because, uh, you know, you just sit there and think, what the hell's going on? Um and unfortunately, the Bucks are just sort of losing a bit of everything right now. Um, we've seen them lose against a good team like Houston. We've seen them lose against a mediocre team like Orlando on the road. We've seen them lose against a bad team at home like Philly, which, you know, again, I know they've been playing better. Um, and we've seen them now lose on the road against a Heat team that, you know, has been pretty terrible this season. They, I think that was their third win in a row. But, um, you know, they have, what, 12, 13 wins at, at this point after that game. So uh, it just makes it difficult because you're looking at you're looking at the the schedule and you're thinking, OK, you know, I think before this, we've pretty reliably been able to look at a schedule and say, OK, the Bucks are going to win that one. They're going to win that one. They lose that one. They lose that one. They win this one. And at this point, you're just sort of looking at it and saying, well, if it's a road game, uh, is that an automatic loss right now? Uh, <laughs> and can we trust them to beat anyone at this point? Um, so it's it's tough because the schedule the schedule is is not going to be particularly favorable for the next few weeks. And they've got Houston coming up on Monday night at home, um, and I'm sure they're going to be happy to be back at home. But uh, then they've got you know Philly on Wednesday. That's a back to back for Philly. So you hope that that Joel Embiid, as as he has been all year, is going to be rested in that game, which would be a huge benefit. But after that, then you go back on the road for four games. I think um, out west, including I think starting with Utah. So um, so look, if if they can't sort of pull one out against Philly, um, 
we could be looking at a very, very long losing streak. But um, again, I think the scariest part is that they're just sort of losing in the same ways every night, it seems. Um, and it's not like they're all over the place and you're seeing flashes of stuff. It's more like, nope, can't defend anybody. Can't quite, you know, force turnovers or rebound or do anything that that can really slow down opponents. And um, and obviously we've had a few games now here as well. Well, the games in Orlando and Miami where they also couldn't get out and, and get easy buckets. And that obviously made the offense, uh, you know, life on offense a lot more difficult as well. Yeah, it, it's really been a, a truly brutal stretch of basketball. And, and like you said, there's never I mean, I'm trying to think of the most positive I felt during that stretch, this five game losing streak. Maybe some of the moments against Philly. Um, I mean, obviously, third, third quarter, third quarter, Giannis versus the Rockets. <laughs> That's yeah. it. that would be it for me. Yeah, and and it is like you said. I mean, they force nine turnovers against the Magic, eleven against the Heat. That's it's not it's not good against two teams that aren't particularly good at the game of basketball this season, and two offenses that aren't uh, laying the world on fire. So it, it's, I mean, it, it's really it's it's uncomfortable to watch it's just bad basketball like you said they can't stop anyone everyone's getting threes and i i would say for the first time this year uh i don't know that that they're going to get out of it i there was there was times this season obviously we've seen some three game losing streaks before this and you kind of always thought okay well they have this bad team and maybe they can get a win here or following a three game losing streak they would do so like the they lose three straight and then just demolish the bulls those two games and you're like okay they're fine like everything everything's going to work out and this can be fine but man it, it's and like I said last week, with a young team, you don't know if they have the the toughness, the the wherewithal to pull out of it, and they they might not know how to how to control a skid like this. And uh, I mean, I mean, you kind of see some of the cracks there uh, over the weekend with uh, a team only. At, it was a team meeting. Was it a players only meeting? That was one thing I was unclear on on Friday. If it was, I play- think I think kid. No, I, I think kid was there. I think the coaching I, I th- staff was there. That's what I thought too. Okay, so uh, I. Th- wasn't a hundred percent sure, but the way I saw it and read it, it was a team meeting. So have a team meeting. Uh, and then obviously they, they talked to Charles Gardner of the journal Sentinel about it and Charles tweets out and writes about it. And, uh, then on, on Saturday we find out that Jabari is suspended and, or whatever you want to say, he, he's going to be out of the starting lineup and not able to play the first quarter. Um, and then they make the switch to Malcolm Brogdon as well. So uh, before we get to the Brogdon Delhi stuff, let's start with uh, the Jabari and uh, what the quarter sp- suspension or however you want to refer to it. What did you think of all of that? Yeah, it's tough. Cause I mean, I don't know if there's, there was any video or, or audio that provided more context for what Jabari said. It, Basically, on uh, Friday night, Charles Gardner of the Journal Sentinel tweeted out that um, Jabari basically said something about how when he spoke up, he got, quote, thrashed for for what, what he strange, said. One, before we go into it, what a strange word to use, uh, Jabari. Yeah. Um, okay, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, well, and, and again, this is where Jabari's a very, often a very strange interview and... Yeah. 
I, he's one of the weirdest interviews because like he's obviously not. I would say he's a smart guy probably for an NBA player in the general sense, but when it comes to speaking and being clear about things in the media, he kind of like mixes metaphors and seems to get nervous and doesn't really want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and um so it's really difficult to figure out like what might have been said because a lot of times when even when things are going well, what he says is like weird mixes of cliches and it doesn't necessarily make sense. So so yeah, I don't know, but obviously he implied that, you know, he spoke up and it was not well received and that's kind of all we know. And um, Brogdon had a couple quotes as well from that was in uh, what Charles tweeted and and that was much more PC. And I think in Brogdon's tweets or the Brogdon quotes, I think it had something about the the coaches being like, let, I think letting them letting them speak up and things like that. So I thought I thought from that 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 the coaches were there. So um, so yeah, it's just kind of a weird weird situation. I mean, I don't know. I on some level seems like a pretty far down the list of things for somebody to get punished publicly slash in a game for. Um, yeah. but I have no idea. I mean, again, like, I don't know if that's something that, you know, they make clear to players before a season or something like that, but it was pretty weird. And of course people were speculating for the game. Oh, what did Jabari do? And it's like, well, it could probably only have been that because <laughs> yeah. what the hell else is Jabari Parker going to do that, that yeah. would get, you know, draw any, any sort of negativity. I mean, he's like, you know, he's the Mormon choir boy. Like, you know, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to go out and like beat somebody up while he's drunk in a parking lot or something. I mean, he's yeah. like as clean as you'll find. So, uh, so yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I, I don't know. It it seemed, I would just say it was strange and, uh, you know, clearly, uh, I mean, it didn't, it didn't hurt the bucks initially. It was just same old bucks, right? They, Delavidova comes in, Thon maker of all people starts in Jabari's place and they get off to, um, an, I think an 11, five lead at one point. So pretty much as throughout the streak, the bucks have led early in all these games, but, um, you know, then then they give up a, a big run, and as as this, the bench sort of starts to filter in, Giannis played the entire first quarter this time around. Whereas usually, you know, he kind of oftentimes he's come out, and then the other team goes on a run. This time he stayed in, and the the Heat started to get stuff going, and the Bucks just stopped scoring. But you know, I think we just feel like it's just a broken record at this point with the bench coming in and stuff just going to hell thereafter. Yeah, I would say the same thing about the Parker, whatever. I don't even. Uh, calling it an incident is giving it more uh i mean it would be assigning more to it than it, i think it actually was like uh so yeah it was strange um and like you said when it, it was it was said that he broke a team rule I, I thought it felt pretty obvious that the team rule was snitches get stitches or snitches get benching i guess um like that, that's As, like i said on twitter the first rule of fight club nobody talks about fight club <laughs> and uh apparently bucks team meetings are also fight clubs so correct um so yeah it i mean obviously i think i was kind of wondering we didn't get we didn't get a starting lineup shake up i was wondering if we were getting close to uh a players only meeting uh but uh, we didn't even go there we we just went to a team meeting uh so we'll see what kind of effect that has if if it does help out the locker room and help bring the effort um it certainly didn't appear that way uh against the heat uh just awful body language all over the floor um 
and I, and I know this is the the worst cliche used and and kid is very fond of saying energy and effort um but yeah the, the energy and effort was was not great in miami um just just an ugly ugly basketball game um okay let's go to the brogdon delhi stuff um it's something we've talked about before um it didn't save the bench in miami uh the bench was still still played poorly um i'd say i mean delhi had a pretty decent game 15 points seven assists two rebounds uh so maybe it helped delhi out a little bit but brogdon might have had the the worst game we've seen from him one for ten from the field four points two rebounds two assists and a steal um do we think it is a solution? Do you think it is a good thing? Um, where are you at on that? Yeah, I mean, I think when we were before the Delvadova injury, my my view was, and this was, I think, magnified by the the clutch struggles they were having in Delvadova's issues late in games. And and my view was, you got to figure out a way to give Brogdon more of a chance. And you know, we talked about maybe more Brogdon slash Delhi lineups. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, again, if you outplay a guy over as long a stretch as, as Brogdon had, then, you know, you, I think you deserve to, to get a starting stretch shot. And especially because he's, he's a young guy who I think has a chance to be potentially the long-term starter at point. And Delhi, you know, just I just don't think he has as much upside as Brogdon does. So I was like, okay, let's give this guy, you know, let's give Brogdon a shot. And obviously he has the, the, the great game with the triple-double against the uh, Bulls. Brought, you know, was convenient. You know, Delvadova gets hurt, so then there's no sort of controversy over Brogdon coming in. But um, you know, as we've seen, the the bench has really struggled. Delhi has really struggled since coming back. Um, the starters have been much better. You know, we complained a lot about you know the with Henson starting, like oh the the starting five has been pretty underwhelming. Um, but I think in every game of this five game losing streak, I want to say they've led by six to eight points in like the first five or six minutes. And so that kind of makes it even more frustrating that they just break down and, you know, none of these games have been closer than nine points. The Philly loss was a nine point loss at home. Um, the other games, granted, all the other games in the four and five game streak uh, were on the road, but they lose by 13 in Philly. They lose by 19 in Houston, 18 or sorry, 16 in Orlando and 12 in Miami. I mean, none of these were close games. And um so it, it's it's just tough. So I, I actually didn't have a problem with it. You know, I, I said after the um, after the Orlando game, you know, at this point, given something has to happen, um, might as well give Delhi like a, a job start. You know, even if he's not mm-hmm. going to play, I, I I think Brogdon still deserves to play more than him, um, or at least did before that for the Miami game. Um, but uh, especially with Monroe struggling as well, you just kind of felt like, man, what what has happened to, to this bench? So, um, so yeah, I thought it was worth a shot to to try to get Delhi maybe on track a little bit. You know, Brogdon maybe doesn't need to play with the starters as much, um, given he's a bit kind of broader skill set. He can get to the rim at least a little bit. But um, you know, it it did help Delhi, so I think that's a positive. Fifteen points, hit a couple threes. Uh, I think he had seven assists as well. So. You know, good to see Delhi hopefully maybe getting some of his confidence back because he's certainly not as bad as he has been. Um, we know that from his, you know, he's been around long enough. I think we know that he's a better player than we've seen. But, um, but yeah, so hopefully the Delhi stuff continues. And, and then you obviously hope that, that Brogdon can um, help reinvigorate the, the second unit because obviously uh, 
we just haven't seen uh, much consistency at all from them. Do you think there's a way to to get the bench going? It, it, it's just strange that I, I guess in a way basketball can be kind of contagious, but um, and especially with a bench unit, maybe you can have some some fits and starts where maybe well it it doesn't go so well uh, for a little while. So do you do you think? There, there's an answer there is it just getting uh, Monroe back to to playing a little bit better is it getting Monroe and Brogdon back together is it Brogdon getting more comfortable with those guys is it uh, Beasley kind of figuring out what planet he's on is it like, <laughs> like I, I just don't I don't I don't necessarily know if I see an answer because it they I don't, I don't know if you want to say overachieved but you probably can they they overachieved to such a point to start the season and now we we haven't really seen an injury we haven't seen um i mean we, there isn't something in my head that says okay this should this should sink the bench the bench should stop playing well now like i don't know if we've seen that moment do, do you think there's an answer out there i, I don't know i mean we've seen I mean, some of the stuff especially in this streak you know toledovich has been bad um monroe has been bad i mean ironically monroe right before this streak we were talking about how monroe had been playing really really well and he'd been playing basically starter minutes for yeah. like a couple week period and so it's a bit ironic that you know it, everything kind of flipped so qu- everything you know flipped so quickly um i mean and i think the biggest problem is it's offense and defense right now right and and we've seen them being held under 100 points for three straight games four out of the five that they've lost um, and we've seen the defense just continue to, to hemorrhage points. Um, you know, if you look at um, the defensive rating, I mean, they haven't had a game where they held the opponent under 100 points per 100 possessions since uh, the win, that big win in Chicago, the 95 to 69 win um, back on December 16th. That was they had a 79.1 defensive rating that night. And every night since then, they've been at least 101 or higher. And, and granted, in this year's, in this season's NBA, you know, teams are just scoring a lot more. Yeah. So again, you, you don't have, you know, it's it's not going to be as stark. But you look back at, um, you know, I don't even know when you want to start, but you know, for instance, pick the the Knicks game that they won on the honest game winner. They they allowed 109 that night, and then going in order, they allowed 121 in the Knicks game. 110 to the in the Wizards on that Sunday night Sunday matinee lost 118 in San Antonio in which they win because they they had 121 mm-hmm. themselves they give up 119 to the Heat in the game they won because they had 128 themselves and then 125 in Atlanta 116 against Philly 115 against the Rockets ironically that might have been the best defensive performance of any of these games because that's under what the Rockets normally do but then 119 against the Magic and 120 against the Heat and the Magic and Heat are not good offensive teams I mean these are teams in the bottom five of the league in offensive efficiency so um, you know pretty much every night you're turning the other team into the Warriors (laughs) in terms of offensive rating and um you know, again, it's just, it's just a lot of things. I mean, you know, granted, there have been some nights where, you know, three-point shooting is the obvious one, right? Yeah. They've been, you know, generally teams have hit a lot of threes. But, you know, I mean, they held the Rockets well under their normal percentage, even though they allowed a ton of threes. The Magic only hit eight out of 28. I mean, there have been some games in here where the threes have not really been an issue. Um, but then they find other ways to hurt themselves because they're either not forcing any turnovers, which is you know, fundamentally the key trade-off in this type of defense, mm-hmm. right? It's 
okay, you're going to overhelp and overload the strong side and, you know, make teams extend their, their possessions. And like you wrote, you know, try to force longer possessions and give more chances for the ball to find somebody who's not as good. who You yeah. don't want to start a possession with and make a mistake. And, you know, in the past, especially in the first year of Jason Kidd's tenure in Milwaukee, that was, you know, a turnover uh, relatively frequently. They were, I think, either first or second in turnover rate that first year and everything. Okay, well, that's how you kind of make this whole thing work, even though they didn't defensive rebound. Early in the season, they were middle of the pack in defensive rebound rate, um, which meant that they were ending possessions, you know, even maybe also getting lucky with opponent three-point shooting. Um, But of late, obviously, the three-point shooting has begun to regress. And they're also not rebounding, so they're not ending possessions with rebounds. So you get second possessions, and on top of that, you know the the, the turnover margin has not really been there. They're, they've been about average for for much of the season now, and they've had a number of games lately. I mean, the two games, the last three games, um, they have not forced basically any turnovers, and yeah. that's especially problematic because think about how much of their offense is is based on getting out in transition and getting easy baskets um, and getting going that way. Um, you know, Giannis had such a difficult time getting going both against Orlando and Miami because he was basically just forced into being a half-court creator. And, you know, as good as he is, he, he just he, he's not there yet where he can just, you know, give you really efficient half-court scoring every night. And and so, yeah, two probably is one of the efficient games that we've seen in a while and back games against the, uh, the Magic and the Heat, even though he did score, you know. 17 and 14 against the the magic and, and 24 points against the heat but um you know not not quite up to Giannis's lofty standards at this point yeah and, and i do think that that point about turnovers and getting easy buckets really really stands out and, and i think to start this season what, what we had discussed with with his scheme is that while the bucks uh, it appears like they're not going to change anything and I, I think a lot of it was, at least in my in my thinking, was the idea there is okay. Our young guys, our young guys want to get out and run. So how do we help them get out and run? So let's try to let's try to create a, a defensive system and not necessarily create. Let's keep a, this defensive system that we think can create turnovers and yeah, single digit turnovers uh, against either either the. Uh, I mean, it was what. 11 against the heat and nine against Orlando nine turnovers that's all you could force against the Orlando magic they want to give you the ball uh, they're they're not good offensively you just look up and down that roster and you see guys that yeah if you pressure them and you trap them the right way and you put it you just go after them they're going to turn the ball over and, and that just wasn't the case and it is like you said that it that is how those guys get going and when you think back to some of the the highest points of this season, I assume you're imagining Jabari Parker dunking in transition. You're imagining Giannis Euro stepping on someone. You're imagining Giannis dunking from the free throw line. You're 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 imagining all these things, and that that highlight that highlight that thing that you're thinking of in your head was created by a turnover. That's how they got to that point, and that they just haven't had that and. Like you said, I think if if one of those three things you mentioned, because we're talking about three-point shooting, we're talking about defense rebounding, and we're talking about creating turnovers, all three of them have kind of gone poorly at the same time. Um, 
teams have started to hit more of their threes. Like we we had said that was a, was a good possibility. Uh, we talked about turning teams over, and we talked about defense rebounding. And a lot of the times this year, we we have talked about how they're they're doing better. They're doing a better job on the glass, and that that is very important in this scheme. And it all all three phases of that that defense have have just been a disaster for the last two weeks three weeks, four weeks, month, like, it's been a while since, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time I thought, oh, wow, defense is, defense is really putting it on this team, like, maybe the Oklahoma City game at times, and even there, I don't know if I would say that, um, but there just have been a few times where I've thought, yep, they, they're sticking it to this team defensively, and, that I mean, for this young team, with as much as they rely on their defense to help create their offense, well, if that doesn't happen, you're going to get some ugly basketball. Yeah, I think with the way that the Bucks run their system, you know, again, they have to be on a string, working really hard, <laughs> and when yeah. when something does, when something falls apart, they begin to look really bad. And I think it was telling that late in some of these games over the, the past week, they've looked worse and worse defensively. It's almost like they get discouraged and the number of open threes has seemingly gone up in the fourth quarter of some of these games where things have just really fallen apart and teams have just, you know, lit them up um, from, from outside. I mean, the Houston game was definitely an example of that. Um, but, you know, even Houston Orlando, I think they, they did some stuff late. And, you know, he, the Heat also, I mean, you know, Deion Waiters, Goran Dragic, I mean, they're hitting, you know, contested threes from, you know, D- Waiters hitting stuff in guys' grills, Goran Dragic hitting one from 30 feet. I mean... Some of these shots are also just kind of like, well, shit, you know, it's yeah, like there's nothing you can everything's kind of, yeah. uh, some of these are, you know, you don't want, you don't want to overlook the fact that the Bucks scheme is kind of failing them right now. Um, but by the same token, it's like not only or, or maybe is that that mean regression happening, but then also um, they're also not getting any any luck probably either. And, and so obviously you just look especially bad and, you know, you just look at sort of the effective field goal percentage and you know, one of the four factors that you always look at, um, you know, um, advanced stats people you know that dean oliver sort of listed the, the four factors that you look at for for teams offensively and defensively effective field goal percentage which you know is field goal percentage adjusted for threes that's the most important one typically in terms of affecting offensive and defensive rating which obviously is the fundamental metric of of you know teams offensive and defensive success and um you know you go back you have to go back to the spurs game to find a game where the bucks had a higher effective field goal percentage than their opponents and the last four games they've been offensively 50% or lower and the Bucks haven't held somebody under 50% from, in terms of the effective field goals um, since game 32 when they won in Chicago by 20. So um, that's 11, 12 games ago. So uh, again, you know, either they're getting lit up or then they're not defensive rebounding and they're not turning the ball over. You know, Orlando is probably a, a game they very easily could have won. They uh, held Orlando to 50.6% effective field goals. But turnover margin no turnovers and Orlando grabbed almost 32% of the available offensive rebounds which is a really high rate Um, so it's again it's just it's just hard to make a living that way they got you know free throws on uh, 28 you know their their free throw to field goal attempt ratio was was 28% so that's really high so um, so again the the Bucks have to start doing more than one thing in a game, and and that applies to both ends. All right, so the Bucks have the Rockets today. 
uh, or tonight or however you want to talk about it because this, this will go up on Monday. Um, the Rockets just beat the Grizzlies 119-95. Um, in that game, notable because of who he is, uh, Sam Decker, 30 points uh, for the Rockets, 6 of 11 from the three-point line. Um, so I think that's his first 30-point game of his career. Maybe even the first – no, he's probably had 20 in a game before. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I, but think, it, I, think it was, I think it was like 17. I, I, I watched a lot of that game. I think it was like his high previously was like 17 or 19, like 19 maybe or something. Yeah, like okay. That. So his first 20 so, and, and 30-point game of his career. Um, so that Rockets team hasn't really changed much since they saw him on Wednesday. Um Frank, are you uh, are you fearing this game as much as I am? Because with the way the Bucks are playing, with the way the Rockets play, it could get ugly on Monday. Uh, yes, I, I I am fearful for the Bucks' lives <laughs> in this game. <laughs> uh, you know, Ryan Anderson. Uh, I think he also missed the Warriors game, um, I, and I, I don't remember him playing against the Grizzlies either. I don't think so. Um, so again, he's had the flu for seemingly forever. Uh, missed last week's game against the Bucks as well. Um, so we'll see if he's available. Um, you know, again, on the bright side, I guess if Ryan Anderson does play, that means fewer minutes for Sam Decker, who, as you said, <laughs> has been playing has, has been playing well all season and and had a really nice active game inside and out against the Grizzlies. Um, I know Decker did not. I don't think you know Decker didn't want to work out for the Bucks, probably because again they had Jabari and Giannis, and he probably realized he did not have uh, an inside line on playing that much uh, in Milwaukee. But um, you know, certainly a guy uh, when you look at what Rashad Vaughn has done in Milwaukee, uh, yeah, Decker could be pretty, could have been pretty useful here. But <laughs> so it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, uh, first off, if Corey Brewer starts again, um, if Anderson's hurt, they've been going kind of smaller with Corey Brewer starting and uh, alongside Ariza. Uh, you have to destroy lineups where Corey Brewer's out there because he's basically the only bad offensive player that seems to play for the Rockets. Um, yeah. He was a minus twenty. He was a minus twenty against the Bucks. Um, so we'll we'll see w- what kind of lineup they roll out, but. Um, you know, again, I, I think so much of it comes down to what can you do against their pick and roll and what can you do against James Harden? Because, you know, we saw uh, anytime Harden got going against uh, Monroe lineups, he was just getting layups. You know, yeah. um, he he made when the Bucks went small, uh, he made Giannis, Jabari and Beasley when they picked him up um, in switches. He made them look pretty silly. Uh, hitting shots either in their faces or driving right around them. So um, he's just an incredibly difficult guy to defend. And I, I hope we see a lot of Tony Snell uh, in this game because, uh, I don't know, not that Tony Snell is going to shut down James Harden, but he probably is, has as good a chance as anyone. And, and, again, you have to just play great team defense. And um, if you send any type of extra bodies at Harden, he's smart enough and skilled enough. He's going to find, you know, the, the open guy for, for, for threes. So, um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see how things go. But again, I mean, at some point, you know, at some point the bucks, the bucks figure to play a good game at some point, you know? <laughs> like, they're not just going to stink, uh, for another 40 games. So Correct. I think that's all you can kind of hope for, you know, hope that, that, uh, maybe they come out with, with a bit more fire, a bit more energy, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that the other team just doesn't shoot as well and that um, they're able to force some turnovers. That's that's something the Rockets have done uh, is give up the ball and, and give up turnovers. 
Um, you know, we saw the Bucks do a bit of damage in that regard uh, last week in Houston. Um, we obviously saw Giannis cause them all sorts of problems. I mean, they they do not have much rim protection. Um, you know, Capella it, it can block some shots, obviously, but he's been coming back from uh, his leg injury. Um, you know, Nene's been pretty good. He's a strong guy, you know, whatever. But um, certainly Harrell is is undersized for a center, and he's been great for what they ask him to do, basically just run to the rim and be energetic. But, um, you know, again, this is a team that that you really need Jabari and Giannis to be able to to really be aggressive and, and get buckets uh, inside. And, and hopefully, um, you know, the Bucks have not shot as many threes of late. Um, you know, they had a stretch this season where they shot 20-plus threes in 14 straight games, and I think they've been... I want to say, let me just double check this. I want to say they've been under 23s in like five out of seven or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it's, it's been a pretty good stretch here. Yeah. They, Against they the Rockets, 28. they had 28. And then I yeah. think around those games, it's been under 20. Yeah, they shot 25 in Orlando. They actually had a good night, 10 out of 25 against Orlando. But six out of 18 in Miami, five out of 14 against Philly, six out of 19 in Atlanta. 9 out of 15 against the, the Heat in the home game that they won, 10 out of 19 in, in San Antonio. Um, you know, you just, again, you, you know, the Bucks just don't really, the guys just don't want to, they're just not inclined to shoot threes. And part of it is that we don't have really guys on this team that can shoot off the dribble at all. Yeah. Um, you know, Brogdon, Delhi, uh, Jabari, I mean, these are guys that generally want to just catch and shoot when they're open. But I think offensively you know again I, I think this is a team that should shoot more threes than it does i mean look yep. you're uh, pretty far down they've been top 10 for much of the season in terms of percentage and to me that says if your percentage is high and your attempts are low then you should probably shoot more shoot more of them <laughs> um so we'll we'll see if if they can kind of come around on that because you know it seems like we it's it's feeling more and more like last season where you know the the difference between the Bucks and the opponent in terms of numbers of threes attempted and made was just such a huge gap every game, and I think early in the season that kind of gap had closed a fair bit. Now we've seen it open up a bit, and and obviously the offense has has struggled a bit uh, in the last few games, and um, you know uh, against a Rockets team that that you can score on if you if you kind of. Uh, get good things going. Um, you know, you just gotta hope that you can hang with them and and that they miss more shots than they do, normally do. Yeah, I was just gonna say it, to to end this that at some point the Bucks do have to play better. I don't know when that point is, and like I'm to the point where I'm not comfortable predicting when it will be. For the, for a while this season, I I thought we could have a pretty good read on this team, and we could kind of try to figure out where they may be going, what could be happening, and now I just don't know. Uh, until they they prove that they can play good basketball again, I don't I don't feel super comfortable predicting it. And like you said, it it is kind of that same helpless feeling that I had at moments last year, where the other teams gained a bunch of threes, the Bucks aren't shooting any threes and can't really create anything or uh, can't force turnovers and just can't really do much right. Uh, so. Hopefully they, they start to break out of that. I don't know if Monday will be that day. Uh, maybe it'll be Wednesday, or maybe it'll be Friday, or maybe it'll be Saturday. But I don't know when it's going to be, but I, I do know that at some point they, 
the numbers would suggest they will play a good basketball game by the end of the season. Um, can, can we call can we call Wednesday's game a must win against the likely Embiidless Sixers? I think we need to call that a must win game. I'm okay with calling that a must win. I, I think that's fair. Um, so hopefully they'll be going for a two game uh, winning streak on Wednesday. Uh, but we we will see. We will talk to you after the Rockets game uh, tomorrow night. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and you can obviously subscribe. Uh, check everything else out on the Locked On Network. Uh, you can check out Locked On Rockets if you want to get yourself a little preview for this game. They obviously do a great job, and they get Doris Burke shoutouts on ESPN. So clearly, uh, the Locked On Network is doing something. Um, so go ahead and check all that out. Thanks for listening. Uh, that was Frank Men. I'm Eric Name, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.